us to go, please, to Exodus, if I may. I'd like to speak to you possibly about two things tonight. We'll see how we go. Um, but these two things are on my heart. And uh, so I'd like to see how far we get tonight with this. I'd, re I'd like to speak to you first about the wall of redemption. The wall of redemption. And uh, we're just going to secure this for a minute or two. That doesn't matter what's going on in the world, it's not going on in your house. I'm going to try that one more time. What's going on in the world is not going on in your house. Remember, there's three groups of people. There only are three groups of people. There's the Jew, there's the church, and then there's the Gentiles. The Jew are God's people. The church is God's people, and the Gentiles are the heathens. The heathen nations that do not believe or have not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I'm not going to get into this, the, the whole thing about the Jew tonight, but there are only three groups of people. We don't have other groups. No matter how much you try to celebrate your group, you are not a group. There are only three groups. Praise the Lord. The Jew, the church, and the Gentile. So, whatever group you fall into tonight is how you read the Bible. Because God speaks to the Jew, God speaks to the church, and he speaks to the Gentile. Hallelujah. So, to understand Bible, we have to know who's talking, right? And then we need to know who is being spoken to, right? Very simple. Is that simple tonight? And that helps you understand Scripture. So therefore, we don't go speaking for verses out of context, speaking verses that are for the Jew, speaking verses that are for the church, or that are for the Gentile. So, praise the Lord. Amen. Maybe I'll pronounce a benediction, and we'll go and have pizza. Hallelujah. How many people think pizza sounds good right now? Praise the Lord. What about some ice cream on the top of that? Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's go uh, to Exodus. Let's go to Exodus 8, verse 20. Exodus 8, verse 20. So I really I would like to, you to get as much out of this. You know, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to expose you. You heard what I said this morning from my dream in the middle of the night. I was praying tonight about the hedge of protection. What the enemy loves to do is he loves to poke holes in that. Wants to see you exposed to all attacks of the enemy. Yet we can do things about that. The fortification, the shield of faith. We can do that with the glory of the Lord which is our rear guard. All of these different things. So I know that I speak somewhat to the learned among us, but for those that are here and you're, you're trying to understand things, just listen. There'll be some things that will make sense to you, questions that you've had that religion did not answer. Religion doesn't have an answer. It just has more bondage and more sorrow. It doesn't offer you relief. 
but relationship with Jesus does. Hallelujah. I was thinking about this when I was traveling. It's just amazing all these thoughts that the Lord has been bringing to me. You know, what the enemy loves to do to get to people is to pick off people around you to get to you. Take people out to leave you exposed. I say that won't happen to you. Amen. Not in this church. Amen. I said not in this church. That's the beauty about being part of a church like this, where you are assured of prayer. Not a prayer just, Lord, help Bobby. But a prayer that goes with you, beyond you, goes into the very realms, the throne room of heaven, works with Jesus, the things of the Spirit, to bring you the desired outcome. Not just a blanket prayer, Lord, just bless Pastor Gary. But Lord, whatever is going on, I stand with him. And I get in the things of prayer and work in the things of prayer and hold Gary in prayer, believing. How many people can see the difference there? See, that's what we're working at. That's what we're endeavoring to do. Sometimes it can get a little taxing. How many people have ever had a moment where you've thought that you know nothing. <laughs> After all these years walking with the Lord, you come to a place that I don't even know if I'm saved. <laughs> How many people have ever had a moment like that? We all have. Because someone will come along and give you more information or another aspect to how you've walked all these years with the Lord. And at that moment, you can think to yourself, what have I been doing? Right. <laughs> well, what you've been doing has been wonderful. But what God wants to do is he wants to promote us, yes. mature us, yes. broaden us, expand us. Yes. So when you sit sometimes in a service like this and you think to yourself, know what's going on. Just know that there's a whole lot in the spirit going on. And God has taken you to places that you've never been before. How many people have ever asked God to really open it up for you? Reveal himself to you? How <laughs> many people have wished that you've never prayed those prayers? Because praying those prayers can make you very uncomfortable. It's the truth. They can make you feel very uncomfortable. Well, we have this learning and this walking with the Lord, and it's wonderful. And then we have the enemy, the devil, who's trying to cash in, who's wanting to just cause mayhem in our lives, confuse us, mess us up, make us feel yuck. Well, we refuse him. I said, we refuse him. 
Let's say that one more time. We refuse him. Keep your mind set on things which are above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look at this in Exodus 8, verse 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river and say to him, This is what the Lord says. I never want you to read this again any other than the way I'm about to tell you right now. Get up in the morning and tell the devil, This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. I don't care what you're saying, Pharaoh. I don't care what you're saying, <clears throat> devil. I don't care what you're trying to do, devil. I don't care what you're trying to do. This is what the Lord says. <clears throat> this is what the Lord says. All right, let's keep going. Can you take the boom out of my mic, please? This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses, the houses of Egyptian. Come on. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. Now look at this in verse 22. This is where it gets good for us. Are you with me? But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. I want you to underline that or highlight that or, or do something on your device with that. I will deal differently with my people. So whatever's going on in the world, it's not going on in your house. Come on, guys. We've got scripture on this. I don't care. This is the benefit of being born again by the Spirit of God. Lord, you know, there's people out there, we, they think we're a bunch of crazies. Church folks. Yeah, we have promises in the Bible. Just like this. That whatever's going on in the world is not going on in my house. It will be different in my house. So if, if, if everything's falling apart in the world, it's not falling apart in my house. It will be different in my house. I have a promise. I said it will be different in my house. Come on. As a man thinks, so is he. I'm not here to think like the world. I'm not here to think all the woes of the world. I'm not here to think all the bad things that the world is going through. Why? Because I'm part of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I know you've all heard stuff like this before, but just humor me and say amen. So if sickness is running around the world, If the fourth pandemic comes, where's it not coming to? Come on, you, you, you've learned, you've lived through COVID. So now you know what it's like. So you should be really sured up by now. That monkeypox is not coming to your house. Oh, come on, any believers in this room, monkeypox is not coming. Donkey Doos is not coming to your house. I, I don't care what it's called. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I am the Lord and I am in the land. Yes. 
God is in the land. <laughs> come on, you come out on a Sunday night, you might as well say amen. God is in the land. This is powerful. Well, I love it. Go to verse, uh, let me see, go to chapter 9, verses, let's read here, verse 1 to 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague upon your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, camels, and in your cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction. Here we go again. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt. So the farms of the church are blessed if the world's farms are cursed. It doesn't matter what's going on in Egypt. It's not the same for me. There is a distinction. <laughs> I say it's not the same for me. There is a distinction. So when you hear all of this dismay, this economic woe, all of these things that are going on, it's not the same for me. It was said again, it's not the same for me. There's a distinction. I am part of the body of Christ. I am part of the kingdom of God. There is a distinction between me and the world. Now when you hear me say world, you're talk I'm talking about the unsaved bunch. And I, I mean it respectfully. But like what I said, there are three groups of people. We are the group, if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we are of the group called the church. You never will be a Jew, ever, and you will never be a Gentile again. Amen. And if you are a Jew and you give your life to Jesus, you do not stand with one foot in the Jew camp and one foot in the church camp. If you are a Jew and you give your life to Jesus, you move over from the Jew camp into the church. And you will go in the rapture. You will not be the Jews who will be here for the tribulation. If you are saved, you will go in the rapture. If you've never heard of the rapture before, the rapture is the event when the church is going to be lifted out of here. And it is very close at hand. So if you are not right with God, I would suggest to get yourself, because if you think it's bad now, the tribulation is not a thing that you would want to set your faith for to stay here and go through. Lift your hand and say, I'm going in the rapture. Hallelujah. So let's keep reading. Hallelujah. What verse was I at? Yeah, verse 4. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it all. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. 
Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one animal of the Israelites had died. Not one. Even when old Pharaoh himself checked, not one of God's people's animals were touched. Now, if this happened in the Old Testament under another covenant, then we have the right to expect this. I don't believe it's you, you lying on your face at the altar to produce this. By right, we have the right to expect as the people of God that whatever evil is going on in the world, it's not going on in my house. I can uh, be assured by the word that I can go wherever, do whatever in the will and purpose and obedience of God and expect to have the benefit of the kingdom of God extended to me like the Israelites had. The key is obedience. Hallelujah. Let's go to 22. Verse 22 and 26. I hope this is blessing you. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that hail will fall all over Egypt on people and animals and on everything growing in the field of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff towards the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the field, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place that it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Ooh, it's about to get good. I said, it's about to get good. When everybody else has fallen apart, you've never been more together. This is why we have to push into things like this. This is why this church's existence is, is critical. Because a voice refuses to be diminished. We refuse to be pushed back to become just an echo or just a, another noise in the world. We're holding for, standing for, believing for, pushing into what is rightfully ours. Yes. Exodus 10, let's go there. Verses 21 to 23. You all doing okay? Maybe this is too much for someone tonight. Too much to know that you're blessed beyond a curse. Too much for you to understand that you don't have to accept what's happening in the world. Fear is a liar. The thing you fear the most will come upon you. Ask Job. Fear is a, it's real. It attracts what it's being released for. 
It is the opposite of faith. Both work. Both work. Fear. We're not going to have enough. What are we going to do? I, I don't feel well. I'm afraid it's something bad. But what about faith as a child of God? He's given us precious promises. He said that we would live long and live strong. How many people's receiving that right now? Come on. Even if you're older and you're tired, live it out. Live it out. Just live it out. Refuse to die. You've come this close to the rapture. Refuse to die. And don't waste your money on a funeral. All that money can go into the kingdom of God. Just refuse to die. Just tell the devil you're not spending any money on death. Hallelujah. So look at this in Exodus 10, 21 to 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that darkness spreads over Egypt. Egypt is a certain type of the world. Darkness that can be felt. Ooh, that's horrible. Darkness that can be felt. That's horrible. You remember those nights as a child where you could nearly feel darkness when they turned off the lights? It's horrible. You're just begging for somebody to turn on a light, the bathroom light, some light. Just turn it on. But a lot of times they wouldn't. They let us lie there in the dark. You'll get used to it. Well, whoever wants to get used to the dark? I know you need the darkness for melatonin and all of those different things. But just listening to me, a wee light somewhere is very comforting. Just a wee light. <laughs> we go to these hotel rooms. <laughs> we go to these hotel rooms and I'm telling you we, we turn out all the lights and Karen myself's lying there in the bed and Karen all of a sudden goes there's light coming from somewhere <laughs> I'm already half asleep and Karen's like, there's light coming from somewhere. And she gets up, and I'm telling you, in the morning, our bedroom's like a Chinese laundry. We have stuff hanging over different things. All the blue lights, all of those different things. Karen has stuff hanging. I said, Karen, I'm telling you, I'm taking authority where fires in our hotel rooms. We're not supposed to be draping our clothes over electrical things that are plugged in. Anybody else do that? God is so good. Let's go to Exodus 10. 21, 23, let's read it again. 
21, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky to the darkness, so this darkness spreads over Egypt. Darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or move about for three days, yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. I love this. I love this. This was good for the Old Testament. This is good for the New Testament. Can I have a big amen? So let's go over to Galatians 3.13 now. This is Sunday flow. We're just working with the Lord. We've heard so many testimonies of God's goodness. God's ability, God's grace. So Galatians 3, 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So that group that is without God can receive Christ and come into the group called the church. I wouldn't want to live in a day like this without Jesus in my life. I wouldn't want to live in a day like this without the assurance that if something terrible went wrong in my life, that I would be in heaven the moment I would close my eyes this side and open them the next. Hell was not for people. It was for fallen angels. So why would you take yourself there? I'm going to heaven. And my family's going to heaven. Come on, do you believe that tonight? We agree. You know, in this day, we so desperately need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not sent so that we could have just a good service. The Holy Spirit was sent to help us, to counsel us, to walk with us, to be God with us. Aidan Wilson Tozer said this, it is time for us to seek again the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Man's lordship has cost us too much. I'm going to say it again. It's time for us to seek again the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Man's lordship has cost us too much. This wall of redemption, if it worked in the old, when God was dealing with Egypt, when God was dealing with Pharaoh, and the people of God was protected, then how much more in Jesus should we expect that with all this going on in the world, and I'm not saying as God, but with all this going on in the world, how much more should we expect in and through Jesus that we are protected? And that no matter what's going on in the world, it's not coming near my house. Let's agree for this right now. Father, we just agree. In the name of Jesus, Father God, by faith, we lay hold of it. That we know that these are perilous times. But Father, you've given us 
the power to be on the earth through your spirit in this time. You've set your church as a light. You've set your church, Father God, as an example. You said that we are here as a restraining order of the Antichrist. Yes. Father, that tells me that, that just everything is subject to your plan and your purpose. But while I am here and others like me are here, the devil cannot do what he wants to do because of the authority that you've given us as the church. We agree tonight in Jesus' name that no evil shall befall us in Jesus' precious name. Father, we bless tonight ministries all over the city. We bless churches and ministries. We, we bless people, Father God, that have given their lives to serve you. In Jesus' precious name, Father God, their families, their teams, Father God, their staff, in Jesus' name. The Father God, you've enlightened us, you've quickened us, you've, you, Father God, given us the power to become your family, your sons, and your daughters. So Holy Spirit, you minister to us in such a way that our eyes are opened so that we can see Belong beyond the religious exercises and duties of a Christian walk. It's relationship, Father. And we give you praise for that right now in Jesus' precious name. I declare over you and each one of you the right to believe, the right to expect that if God can do that for the Israelites, he can do that for us as the church. I refuse fear. I don't have to live my life in fear. No, because perfect love casts out all fear. Father, we thank you for your leadership. You're going to lead us. You're going to guide us. Your precious spirit is operating in us, Father, to give us what we need where we need it, in how we need it, where we need to be at the place we need to be, at the time we need to be there, with the people we need to be with. You will lead us, Spirit of God, in our dealings, in our decision-making processes, in Jesus' precious name. I want you to go to John 16, 13. Just give me a few more minutes. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, the full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. I believe for our good, he will tell us good or bad. If we will walk with him, as he walks with us, he will talk to us if we will listen. Hallelujah. I love this. The Phillips translation says this, Yet when that one I have spoken to you about comes, the spirit of truth he will give you into everything that is true.
everything that is true. So I bind the spirit of deception of our lives. We refuse seduction of any sort that the world would try to bring us. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Galatians 5.18 But if you are guided and led by the Holy Spirit, you are not subject to the law. I love this in the worldwide English New Testament. If you do what the Spirit wants you to do, then you will be free from the law. In other words, you have nothing to fear from God. The best is yet to come. I'll say that one more time. The best has yet to come with wars, rumors of wars, things that are going on, even with nations saying they are ready for nuclear whatever. What does that look like for us? When nations are against nations, when governments are falling apart, when even those elected officials do not know what to do, then it's time for the church to hold fast, to stand, and when done all to stand, you have a voice. But I believe with all my heart that God is going to show himself strong in the church and through the church before we're taken out of here. I believe it. I don't believe that we're going to leave quietly. I don't. I believe that Pharaoh is going to inspect us and he's going to see that our livestock are still alive. <laughs> this is what it said. If there's no light in the world's home, there's going to be light in my home. If God has to come and sit himself in my living room, I have a promise. If he did it for the Israelites, then he's obligated to do it for us, the church. You say, man, that's so strong, Pastor Paul. It's the truth. And God is just looking for someone that he can show himself strong in that will actually believe him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this with me. I am led by the Spirit. I want to read this to you. When Hitler's focus turned on Britain in 1940, very little stood in his way. Never losing sight of the every creature vision, Reese and the young people of the Bible College of Wales were called to contend for spiritual victory so that real battles on the ground could be won. This is Reese Howells. Under the black clouds of world war, Reese Howells declared, the Holy Spirit does not know doubt, misery, or worry. These are of self. Unless we believe in a test we have never believed, if I only take a thought that the devil is stronger than the Holy Spirit, I can close this book, the Bible, once and for all. Through the prayers of many and the prayers of Reese Hiles, I tell you, a great victory was won regarding World War II. I believe the great victories are looking to be announced again through people just like you and me. We're not here just to feed people soup. 
and to clothe people. That's a beautiful and noble thing to do, and it is an action of the church. But spiritually, we are here to work with God in the efforts and the advance of his plan and his purpose. As a pastor, I am not just here so that I can just have a service every single week, have a song and a message, and let you go back to the hellish lives that Satan wants to provide for you. It is much more than that. My job is to help activate you, help mobilize you, help getting your eyes open, your ears open, and your hearts to a place that you are fearless in the face of adversity. This is the job of the church, so that when the world wants to come to our door and dictate to us how we should live, then we can stand up in the face of that and say, no, I will live the way Christ has destined me to live. This is the truth. And it is being bent so out of shape by many, many pulpits to suit the narrative and to suit the day that we're living in. But you cannot make this word suit this day to just allow people to live whatever way they want to live. This Bible will always dictate to you and cause you to straighten up. Live right. <laughs> How many people thank God for this Bible? 2 Samuel 22, 32 to 34. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? God is my strong fortress. He guides the blameless in his way and sets him free. He makes my feet like hinds, firm and able. He sets me secure and confident upon the heights. I refuse to just act and be like the world when I have a covenant I have a covenant. And scripture says it will not be altered, nor will it be broken. So no matter what happens between now and the rapture, it's all good for my house. Yes. Let's just receive this in the name of Jesus. Our children are not going to grow up in terror. Our children are not going to grow up and watch this whole thing just digress into a state of Gotham in a Batman movie. Outlaw, vigilantes, that's where it wants to go. You know it's the truth. They want to disband the police. They want to take all authority away. What would a world look like? What would an America look like without a police force? How can somebody in their right mind think that our communities and neighborhoods do not need police officers? That's crazy. In the same sense, then how can the world be put right without a church that operates in the power of the Spirit? What Satan wants is just for good churches. Just speak little messages. Don't rock the boat. Don't hit the devil. Just help people. 
But yet the job of the church was to cut Satan off at every turn and help people. Tend to the widows, tend to this, tend to all of these different things. It's all there. But we have a job, a function. Jesus came. He was here for 33 and a half years. He left and he said, I'm sending you the Spirit. And he will dwell in you and he will empower you. And greater works than these shall you do. Everybody say greater. How many people are ready to see something greater? Well, if another pandemic comes, what are we going to see? Come on, everybody. I'm going to ask you again. What are we going to see? Are we going to let it get us the way the first one did? You know what happened in America. You know what happened in the nations. You say, well, you know what? I'll just be led. Led by what? Led by the Spirit. Where would Jesus be in the midst of a world falling apart? Right in the middle of it. Where's the church going to be? Right in the middle of it. Because the world has to see that we're different. And the Lord deals differently with us. <laughs> I love this stuff. During World War II, a U.S. Marine was separated from his unit on a Pacific island. The fighting had been intense, and in the smoke and the crossfire, he had lost touch with his comrades. Alone in the jungle, he could hear enemy soldiers coming in his direction. Scrambling for cover, he found his way up a high ridge to several small caves in the rock. Quickly, he crawled inside one of the caves. Although safe for the moment, he realized that once the enemy soldiers looking for him swept up the ridge, they would quickly search all the caves and he would be killed. As he waited, he prayed, Lord, if it be your will, please protect me. Whatever your will, though, I love you and I will trust you. After praying, he lay down quietly, listening to the enemy begin to draw closer and closer. He thought, well, I guess the Lord isn't going to help me out of this one. This is it. Just then, he saw a spider begin to build a web over the front of his cave. As he watched, listening to the enemy, searching for him, all the while, the spider laid strand after strand of web across the opening of the cave. Ha, he thought. What I need is a brick wall, and what the Lord has sent me is a spider's web. God does have a sense of humor. As the enemy drew closer, he watched from the darkness of his hideout and could see them searching one cave after another. As they came to his, he got ready to make his last stand. To his amazement, however, after glancing in the direction of his cave, they moved on. Suddenly, he realized that when the spider's web was over the entrance, his cave looked as if no one had entered it for quite some time. He prayed, Lord, forgive me. I had forgotten that in you a spider's web is stronger than a brick wall. 
As the great leader Nehemiah reminded the people of Israel when they faced the task of rebuilding Jerusalem, Nehemiah 2.20, in God we will have success. Amen. Never underestimate God's ability to do what only he can do. When we're looking for a brick wall, God is having a spider build a web. But you know matter what or what? Whatever God does, he's going to secure yes. our victory in the name of Jesus. Yes. Father, we give you praise and honor. Timothy, do you want to come back tonight? Psalm 73, 23 to 24. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You do hold my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to honor and glory. In the message it says this, I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. Look, those who left you are falling apart, deserters. They'll never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord God my home. God, I'm telling the world what you do for me. Father, over these days, these weeks, these months, I pray that there's such a sense of your presence. Father, what you did for the Israelites, you'll do for us. We have a covenant that is sealed in the blood of your son. We receive your protection. We receive, Father God, your life we receive your instruction. We receive the leading of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I want to read this to you. Supernatural Guidance for New Missionaries, Grace Murphy. Within a couple of weeks of our arrival in Honduras during the rainy season, half of the local police post collapsed. The adobe gave way and the dirt was crumbled to the ground. We began to sense in the spirit that we needed to repair the police station. But when we spoke with the villagers about helping, their response was to, to not have anything to do with the police because they were corrupt. The villagers talked about the history of death squads and other problems with the police. As we prayed more and more about the situation, God's leading told us our entire ministry in Honduras would begin with the rebuilding of the police post. It made no sense to us, but this was what God had told us to do. We obeyed, we bought supplies, and paid men to repair it. A short time later, as I came around the corner and approached the mission, I saw the yard filled with men in blue and black camouflage uniforms, wearing black flak vests and holding semi-automatic weapons. Every building at the farm was shut tight, Doors and windows closed, and there wasn't another person to be seen. Everyone was hiding from the group of armed men in the yard. The colonel spoke with me. Through God's leading, we were being asked by the government to stand in the gap and teach the police how to serve the people. He also asked me to begin English classes with his ranking officers so they would be able to have better communication and relationships with the missionaries in the area. I agreed that we would work together and they left. 
During the following weeks, the Colonel visited us at coffee hour and sometimes came to dinner. We shared life stories while we talked of God and began to know each other better. How exciting it was to learn this Colonel was a Christian. One morning, a few weeks after we first met, the Colonel, a police truck showed up at the gate and the Sergeant told me the Colonel wanted me to meet with him right away. Here we were only a couple of months into living in this country and I was sitting in the office of a police colonel who was saying that his superiors, including the Minister of Security, a presidential cabinet position, wanted to know if I could write a program to help victims of special crimes. The first thing that popped into my head was that I wasn't qualified for the task. My husband Lee and I heard the Lord tell us to come to Honduras. No explanation of what we were to do, just go. We obeyed. The police post in our village collapsed in the rains. God said to rebuild it. And that act of obedience would define our entire ministry. It made no sense, but we obeyed. A colonel in the police told us they need us to write a program for victims. I had no clue to do, what to do. God said just to do it. Or rather, he made the word sure pop out of my mouth before I could think or say anything else. Months later, with the completed program, draft Grace sat in the office yet again. All that to bring us to this moment of destiny. Aren't you even going to look at it? I asked. I was unaware that by God's leading, the biggest opportunity of my life or lives was about to be offered. Yes, but first let me take you downstairs to show you the office we are building for you because you are now the chief of the Office of Attention for Special Crimes, he continued. There will be two police officers assigned to you. I was listening to him, but I did not understand what was going on. What are you talking about, I asked. He said, let me say it again. You are now chief of special crimes. It was a fact, a done deal. It was destiny. Suddenly, most everything in my life made sense. Everything I had ever done, and all that, I had that had happened in my life, God was using me to lead on the journey to this moment and what would come of it in the future. We did not go to the government to begin this work in justice. They came to us. That was God. God sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, release from darkness prisoners, to loose the chains of injustice and to set the oppressed free. Those were the very scriptures in Isaiah 61 that God has given us. It was all beginning to make sense. And I pray that over you, that it's all beginning to make sense. Sometimes we don't understand what it is that we're to do. We just simply have to obey, take the necessary steps, be led by the Spirit. But we can do this with knowledge. We can do this knowing that what God presented to and gave and done for those in the Old Testament, the Israelites, God will do that for us. So no matter what situation we find ourselves in, we can trust Him. We can trust Him all the way to know that He can make the best out of the worst situation. That no matter what circumstance arises, we know that God has already sorted it. He's already presented us a means of escape like I taught you this morning. 
So as we go into these next days and weeks and months, whatever God asks us to do, we just simply do it in faith and trust. Sometimes we want to start with the big things. These people just simply went in, led by the Spirit, against all odds to build a police station back from the ground. And then by the leading of the Spirit, becomes positioned to help people in a way that they never thought they would ever help anybody. You see, I received that tonight. A word from the Lord to come to Tulsa, Oklahoma. What on earth, Tulsa? Why? Why not Hawaii? Why not somewhere with a beautiful ocean? Why not somewhere that is a more balanced climate? shook hands and hugged the neck of people that I don't know. And every story is different. How they've come, how they're coming, and where they're coming from. And God is bringing people to this place called Millennial. A place for His Spirit to move. And no matter what everybody else is called to do, and think, man, the Brady's are a little radical. They're a little out there. Paul's a little weird. But I could look back at you and say, I think you're as weird as me because you don't do the things I do. I couldn't imagine not living the way that I live. I couldn't imagine not knowing the things that I know. I couldn't imagine not been able to get up and exercise the authority in Jesus Christ. To think that we just had a lifetime of just being good Christians. Imagine, I would be so bored just being a good Christian. No, it's a privilege to be part of the army of God. It's a privilege to be able to stand in the victory of Christ. It's an awesome honor to be able to pray for somebody and see them get delivered. Y'all on the same page as me. And so as we grow together and as we do this together, we're going to have the wonderful blessing of having this in our local church. That's what I've said for years. You can go to many conferences and experience great prayer services. You can go to many conferences and have wonderful faith experiences. 
we need to have the move of the Spirit back in the local church. How many people agree with that tonight? And that's what we're working at. I want prayer to be at an all-time high in our church. I want you to experience prayer in the level that you would have experienced at a conference here in the local church. I believe it's about the local church. And I believe God is going to show himself strong.